Hey everyone, welcome back to the It's So Weird podcast. Marcy and I took a break for a week, but we're back and we will be talking about folklore tales, mythology, etc. Hope you enjoy it. Today's podcast, we are talking about specifically a frog motif in history. And motif is in the anthropological meaning in folklore mythology. It's called motif, a uh, uh, running theme, I if it you was will. A way to decorate. That's <laughs> right. Right. It's, it is not a decorator <laughs> term. It's not a motif on a, on a building. You know, it, that's what I love about it's so weird. Podcast is every week I learn something new, <laughs> and also maybe expose myself as the dummy that I am. <laughs> You're not a dummy. It's 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 part of a jargon that they use. Every field uses a specific jargon. Let and me tell you, I was filled with jargon yesterday. Yes, we were just talking about your uh, search yeah. for a software. Right, transformation. So right. you're tra- you're transitioning to a new yeah. building. You have to have yeah. new software. Yeah. And, and, and I am somewhat in a business transformation. Um, I Not intentionally. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, sort of the software thing has brought me to this transformation. Of, um, but yeah. before we talk about transformation, yeah. let me just say that the frog Motif. in a lot of mythology, uh, quite a bit actually, in folklore, has to do with transformation. It has to do with growth, fertility, transformation, transition, healing. So we'll get that out so that and, we can talk you, about. You went down this rabbit hole of an idea. Um, for Did you follow topic. it? Um, maybe. Let me. Okay. Let's see. So, so a couple of weeks ago, I sent you a picture of a. Um, print that I wished I'd have bought that I'm going to try to track this woman down and buy it in Chicago at an art show. But um, it is a print of a frog going across the river with a, a scorpion on its back. And basically, I was like, this is how I feel, meaning I'm the frog. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're about to get <laughs> I, I I'm trying to do something good and I'm about to get fucking stung. <laughs> yes. And, and um, so that had been on my mind and I sent that to you and here in a second, I'll, I'll tell us all who the artist is. Um, and maybe she's out there listening and maybe she'll make another one of those prints. But then you start asking me questions about frogs and transformation and am I following you and I was like no so that's why we're doing this today so you can tell us all about it (laughs) yeah yeah or anything (laughs) (laughs) since it since I've been a child or was a child gosh you're not just use my words I'm I'm still a child no no really I am that was a Freudian slip um I've been fascinated with frogs. So when I went camping to Eagle Creek, McCormick's Creek, because my family didn't go to Disneyland, they went fishing and camping. That's right. That as did my family. And, you know, I just remembered um, my daughter was also obsessed with frogs. Well, 
what I found interesting is, is I didn't really realize how many goddamn frogs I have in my house. Like art. A lot of frogs. They're not live, but they're art. Yes, they're art. (laughs) They're statues, art, pottery, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, why am I collecting all these frogs? So Mm -hmm. I went down a rabbit hole of just the psyche of why people collect. And I'm not the only one. I, I know a ton of people who collect coins or. Well, I noticed I have lots of fish and I, I really enjoy some octopus. Um, which... Yeah, I like octopus also, but not really, though. Oh, no, I'm fascinated by them. I think they're beautiful. I and Anywho, we I want to come back to that in another podcast. Because right. Now- we we can pick an animal a week if you want. (laughs) I'm I'm changing my answer. You asked me when you started mapping out this podcast, have you had any reoccurring animals? And I said, dogs and cats, because I've always had dogs and cats. But no, as far as um, in my life, touching my soul, seeing in a moment and getting like a spark of inspiration or something, uh, it's been a fish or an octopus see so i want to explore that you know so anyway well it's rare that i find a person who says no absolutely not absolutely not i have no affinity towards a specific animal and it might be a dog or a cat it I mean, yeah, look I mean, at all those kitty collectors out there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How many porcelain kitties can I see? I mean, were- if you remember the first episode of The Expanse, the captain of the ship had a little glass collection. I believe that they were kitty cats. And that's that's the kind of man I want in my life. Oh. I want a man with a ceramic kitty cat collection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't do anything for me. Doesn't do anything. Absolutely it, not. It, as a, as it sinks in what I'm saying, it honestly kind of creeps me out. <laughs> <laughs> so have you found this scorpion frog artist? I haven't. Um, That's all right. We can put it in the podcast notes. But But I do notice that I have a lot of pictures of fish and frogs. And the only reason I don't have any octopus pictures is because... Um, I never get to see them. But didn't you get octopus pajama bottoms? Oh, honey, they're not pajama bottoms. They're my work pants. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I did. And I wore them to work the other day. And yeah. Yeah, I still see a picture of them. Either way, that's why I thought it... Later on in the podcast, we'll be talking about an author that you like, you particularly I like. I, I so, um, Tom Robbins, if we do, can say anything. So, you know that I create presentations sometimes on our podcast. I love that. I rely on that. Well, and I hope I was my, my first initial search into the World Wide Web, uh, they have a lot on shamanism spirituality astrology and i saw that yeah it's it's frustrating a little bit because although i appreciate that i like it to be more meat and potatoes i i don't want somebody else's 
surface explanation. I want to go a little bit deeper than that. If that makes sense. Um, I would, I, I'd like that and less complicated. We can get deeper, but we, we need to, yeah, not make it so complicated. Well, I was, I want to use this quote because when I was doing my research, a lot of people were asking, uh, I don't know if they're professionals, if they've made it a lifetime career. I don't know if they, if they have degrees, but one person asked, I just found six almost dead frogs in my pool. I fished them out and only one may survive. What do you feel this means? <laughs> and I really appreciate that the blogger replied back and says, it means you should get a pool cover. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that because the woo woo hater in me is like, it doesn't mean anything. Like six almost dead frogs in your pool. It means you don't have a pool cover. Right. That's not a place they should be living in. It's full of chemicals. And so it's not even a safe environment. No, I had frogs live in the pool. I lost a phone to a frog that would swim around in the pool. I was trying to make a video of him. Dropped the damn phone in the pool. Did he die? No, he swam. He, um, he and like four of his buds stayed in the pool an entire summer. How did they manage to survive they, the chlorine treatments? And, and let me tell you, I put shit in that pool every single day. It was clear. It was beautiful. I, but <laughs> <laughs> you had an infinity pool. I didn't have an infinity pool. No, I'm four teasing. Four above ground, just like all the other rednecks here in Bedford. Hey, uh, uh, but I did appreciate that, that yeah. question yeah. and response of sometimes there's no Sometimes meaning cigar is just at a cigar. all. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, or sometimes I, I don't know. I don't want to get all woo woo here. Well, no. we might get a little woo woo. I mean, in not, some not people's terms, I don't want to say that nothing, that everything means something, but maybe, but maybe it does, but maybe not to you. Maybe the experience was for those frogs. Yeah. Who knows? But I did appreciate that. It brought yeah. some levity to my deep search yeah. of frog yeah. meaning. And it was a little bit, um, it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, heavy. But I mean, I guess transformation can be very heavy. Change. All right. Well, it. I think that's nascent to what we're going through at this time period anyway. So um, did I mentioned earlier that my current transformation is I think I'm about to start my period. So if we get real heavy, I'm just going to start bawling. Yeah. Uh, you did mention that. Okay. I and and that, <laughs> that goes to the theme of our frogs <laughs> exactly. because in, in some cultures, it's specifically the Egyptian culture. They, they had priestesses or priests, mm -hmm. mainly priests. This mm -hmm. is as in the female that were midwives that mm -hmm. uh, dealt with your fertility, your success of fertility, and they wore or were depicted in their pictographs mm -hmm. with frog heads. Are you serious? 
I'm completely serious, and I'm sorry I didn't include the picture. Her name is. <laughs> well, you didn't know I was going to start today. You didn't know I was. No, I be. had no. I, <laughs> no. <laughs> but mark your calendar. So next time around, this time of the month, when I'm acting I, crazy, you'll know. <laughs> I had to edit a lot because there are so many cultures. I yeah. There, I listed them off. Let me go ahead and scroll through. We'll we'll talk about those other. Yeah. Um. But I mean, fro frogs and butterflies, you physically see their transformation. And Correct. so, of course, that would make, you know, that that would that just makes sense that many cultures would use them as their. Well, every continent ha has a frog mythology and symbolism or some type of religion. Really? Or frogs are everywhere. So Egypt, are China, even? Japan. Okay. Northern Europe, North America. Northern Europe, it gets fucking cold up there. But I mean, I guess it gets cold here. Okay, all right, frogs. They're yeah. everywhere. South right. America. You, I, I don't know about Antarctica or, you know, the really... So the, maybe somebody will tell us. Well, I don't think anybody lives there unless they're <sighs> aliens. No, but somebody <laughs> knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, some... Probably some scientist has gone yeah. there and said, no, there's nothing living besides maybe bacteria or parasites, possibly at best. No, I don't know. I don't like to really think about cold places. Yeah, I don't like. Not that cold. I fantasize about the beach either. I don't think about that at all. No, I like it just to be warm. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and then I went down the journey. Mm -hmm. of thinking about when I started looking at frogs and the first time was during camping and mm -hmm. looking at little puddles with the tadpoles and mm -hmm. mom and dad explaining to me that those were frogs and I was like no way in hell those aren't frogs those are like little fishies right or salamanders or something like a worm right either way I came to the understanding that yes, they are frogs. They do a complete transformation, usually on their own. Yeah. Without the help of a parent because their eggs are laid in water. And then they split. And then they split, become tadpoles, have external gills. Yeah. They grow a tail with legs, just two legs. And then morph into an adult frog. Yeah, and going back to the pool cover. So in the springtime, if your pool cover has water in it, a lot of times there are tadpoles in there. And it would always make me sad to pour that water out onto the ground and know, oh. I know. You killed those <laughs> frogs. <laughs> you can't wait until July when they turn into frogs. You got to get the pool ready. <laughs> Can you scoop them out and put them in a bucket or something? Um, we, I, I tried that a year or two. Not a lot of success. All right. Tadpoles are fickle. That's what well, those frogs shouldn't have laid their eggs in your pool. I guess so. I guess so. But I did always feel bad about it. Yeah, I would have felt bad also. Yeah. I, I've never owned a pool, so I'm too lazy for that. Um, you know, yeah, it's it doesn't take a lot of time if you do it every day, but it's every day for 10 or 15 minutes, which I would just drink coffee and walk around and enjoy the blue water of it. 
Right. Yeah. I, the I, routine. I enjoyed the routine of it. Yeah, I, I don't like routine, so. I know. I've been thinking about getting a hot tub. Ooh. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not getting shy. <laughs> 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 I'm just telling you that I am freezing. I heard some really troubling news today at the gym. And that was um, that sometime next week, potentially, there's a storm of ruin that could create 24 inches of snow for us. Do you want to be new? I know. We're going to get a blizzard? That's that's what uh, three or four of the gym members were saying. I looked on the on my weather app and it was like two inches on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we did talk about the weather and how we're, you know, we're not sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I guess somebody is, somebody is, but, um, I, I don't know if I'm mentally prepared for 24 inches of snow. No, I don't want that. So, and I hate to hear that because I just mentioned to my aunt, the blizzard of 1970, I think it was eight. 78. I, re- you know, that's one of my first childhood memories. I remember uh, my dad had shoveled the sidewalk and the sides were taller than me. It was the coolest thing. I you know, My ever. dad totally three and a half years old. And it was a absolute mind blower for me. Yeah, we couldn't get out the door. Yeah. Well, that was, you know, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was a mind blower because my dad worked so hard. And then it was like, he made this this pathway and you know and I felt like because I was I in my memory I was the only one outside there with him you know that may or may not be accurate but I was like oh he made this for me because it's just a little bit bigger than me (laughs) (laughs) well we had a bunch of kids in the neighborhood so we all made a snow castle (laughs) (laughs) oh to be young I know, right? We were hot. Transform. (laughs) We also had on those uh, ridiculous-looking snowmobile outfits. You know, we had snowsuits. Don't even. Yesterday, I was racking my brain to try to figure out where my super purple snowsuit pants are because uh, it's cold, and I and I like to wear those pants um, when it's really cold because I got to take Leo for a walk. But I don't know where they're at. Yeah, well, I so, to get so back you on the subject, and I'm like, they're awesome. Yes, transition of weather patterns. I do not look forward to in no, Indiana a lot of the times during the winter months. But to go back to being a child somewhere in the house during 1978 was Kermit the Frog. Oh. Yeah. You remember, you remember Kermit the Frog. Of course I remember Kermit the Frog. I think everybody, I mean, he's a famous meme now too. I know. That's... He has now, transformed. He, has, he transformed. has transformed into a protagonist, a lovely little protagonist into a huge meme, which I did not do research on. So I, there's do so you much know about it? out there. Do I know all about it? Um, about the Kermit the Frog meme, mm-hmm. I I do not. I I know that generally he's in a laid back sort of um, position, telling you about how uh, you just fuck things up. Oh, yeah. I mean, nice. that's usually 
I, 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 if you want to add this to our um, credits, I, I do have a picture of a Kermit doing this in a meme on my phone, readily available. It says, of course, I'm scared of catching COVID. Anyone who has fished with me knows that I catch everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's, and he's hanging back. He's drinking his coffee. That makes so. no sense whatsoever. Well, that's, that's just his typical meme. Like the memes that I see that he's in, he's, he's, you know, kicking back, he's drinking his hot tea and he is laying down some um, somewhat condescending wis um, wisdom on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we then moved on to Frogger. Mm -hmm. And you recall Frogger. Of course I recall Frogger. The 1981 arcade game. Yeah, all the rich kids had him. Oh. Well, I don't think we were really rich. No, that's just in my mind. Okay. Um, and, and we did have Frogger. <laughs> but that's, it, yeah, that's it wasn't it. online. It was some type of no, uh, it was an Atari Nintendo, game. right? It was, it was Atari. Atari. My bad. And then I think later on it was Nintendo. Oh. But we I didn't really do that much research on it. Uh, <laughs> it. It says it was published by Sega. So. Yeah, Sega had those cartridges that fit into the Atari machines. Correct. Yeah. So I remember that. I remember mostly I wanted to take that Atari machine apart. Not that I knew how to put it back together. I just wanted to see. Wow. Was it magic inside completely there? completely destroyed you as a child if you'd done that. <laughs> That's why I didn't do it. <laughs> it's a really bad idea. You, you sound like the author we're going to discuss, Tom Robbins. Mm, uh, yeah. Yes. He was you know, a terrible child. He was. And it's, it's funny. Um, so I sent you that book. I've been a long time Tom Robbins fan, like since my, you know, twenties. Um, I read skinny legs at all, um, laughed out loud reading it. And then last week I downloaded his, um, sort of autobiography to pet and peach pie. And yeah, Tom Robbins and I, pretty similar in our approaches to life yes they called him tommy rotten <laughs> his mother called him tommy rotten yes yeah i mean he he definitely gets into some shenanigans and um I, yeah and, and i think that's the appropriate word for back then because he did held he is now 80 80 so old that would have been in the 40s that he was born, correct? Uh-huh. Or uh, maybe even earlier. Um, I don't do math very well. I can look him up real quick if you'd like. Well, I think that he was... Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but 1941 would be my guess since he's 80. Yeah. <laughs> either way he's 80 now yeah. and when he was a child mm -hmm. the circus was no i love this yeah was the entertainment of the day that was like going to the movies yeah 
I mean, that's kind of growing up for me. That's how the, uh, oh, the 4-H fair was, the fairs that would come to town because, you know, just it, it was something to do. No cell phones, no computers. Right. Uh, TV was sporadic. And from what I understand of him growing up, he had a very, he lived in poverty. Did he not? Well, they, they weren't wealthy, but. They weren't wealthy, but they weren't rich. Right. And in that area, I mean, you know, Virginia and uh, North Carolina, you know, um, very rural. Lots of racism, unsophisticated people. Um, but yeah, that kind of made. Well, the circus came through his town yeah. and wanted to know if he wanted to go. And his and parents let, let him. him. I know. I thought that was At 10 years awesome. old. Um, yeah, I think that's 10 years right. old. You would be arrested. You let your child Most go definitely. to the circus. <laughs> Guess what? He's 80 years old. He survived. Yeah. And not only that. But his parents didn't like let him run off to the circus. Yeah. They came and got him. They were like, okay, you've been there long Had enough. Had enough fun. Yeah. And we'd like you to come back home. And he did. Yep. So it, it really speaks to a 10 year old having enough intelligence, A, to survive with a bunch of strangers, which goes to, I guess, Maybe the situation at hand that people were trustworthy to have your child a circus, no less. <laughs> I mean, well, I think also about think that. that he was probably just such a precocious child and such a handful that his parents were worn down. I mean, or they might have thought if I yeah. don't let him go, he'll probably take off and do it anyway. That's, you know, that's, that's the story that my parents have about me is. Yeah. My parents know. also. So, yeah. So I, I, I yeah. really, yeah. Tom Robbins and he, um, he writes wonderful books that I, I consider philosophical. Very um, much so. They, they, and they do it in a really hilarious sort of way. Well, while I was reading the book, the Tibetan peach pie. And doing my research on frogs, I came across his book called Half Asleep in Frog Pajamas. Yes. In 1994. And I was like, yes. holy shit. Yes. So he's, that one takes place, uh, where Washington state, I think. Yeah. You know, I don't know where Larry, the main protagonist <laughs> is from. He well, is a character in the book. Mm hmm. And he, he, Tom Robbins writes very much and specifically with this book in the vein of having been influenced by McKenna, Terrence McKenna, who believed in psilocybin, like doing psilocybin. Psilocybin? Yes. Do you know what psilocybin? No. It's a hallucinatory. You know, it's a like LSD. It's comparable. I mean, hallucinogenic. Yeah. Yeah. It's hallucinogenic. Uh, Is it mushrooms? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. P S. Psilocybin. P S I. Are you sure it's not P P H? No, it's P S I. Okay. I'll believe you. Uh, 
P-S-I-L-O-C-Y-B-I-N. Psilocybin. Okay. And that's the mushrooms that we... I mean, they're the magic mushrooms. They're the magic mushrooms. Okay. So I would say, I don't, I've taken acid before and I've taken mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of the two, mushrooms just make me throw up. Really? Yeah. I find them to be very, 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 very pleasant. I know. I'm so jealous of everybody. <laughs> no, I'm really kind of resentful. But, but I mean, I'm very to... resentful. Oh, actually, it, it, it is. But but I've always, you know, I've taken them always in really good situations with. No, I was in great situations. It I'm doesn't so matter. Sorry. I can. That's yeah, so I can be in. Um, really wonderful. Yeah. And and you know and those. Um, yeah. It's just my chemistry. Yeah. Just so, like some people can't smoke pot, some yep. people can't do LSD, some people can't do mushrooms. Either way, his book was it highly influenced by this gentleman mm-hmm. who was exploring uh, psychedelics. And most of his books, from what I found out, are based off of transformation, liberation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the frog pajama th- I just couldn't resist going down that rabbit hole. I, yeah. So yeah. I did one of, uh, I forget what page it's on, but anybody who wants to really find out what page it's on, read the book. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to quote something. Do you mind if I read Not this? at all. Not no, at all. Because it's been, I only really remember the first half of this book because it's been, that's one that I, I've only read once, I think. But uh, it's pretty chaotic. Skinny legs and all. I'll bet I've read fifty times. That's right. that's kind of my little bible. There, um, I go back to that in times when I need to make changes. Uh, I, isn't that because yeah, it is, it's it very really, strange? It, well, I know that it kind of um, it speaks to me to to um, because it's all about change. It's all about you know. Uh, our, our main character going through life and dealing with what people want to make her and her deciding what she wants to be and navigating that path and finding, you know, peace and happiness and confidence and, and, um, and cha- in, in the many changes that she goes through. So correct. That's why I read it. But, Are you ready? Yeah. Frog pajamas. Here we go. Just a short excerpt. It says, A chorus of Larry this and Larry that rings out as the two of you approach the bar. Again, he pulls out that beautiful tumbleweed of cash, wads another 50, and tosses it to the bartender. Poorer of some hopes, but freer of some illusions, he says cheerfully. Drinks are on me. But Larry, do you believe... Dot, dot, dot. I believe that... Buddha was a frog, and the frog is Buddha. Look at the frogs meditating on their pads and tell me they aren't monks. A hush falls over the bookies. They step aside to let him pass. Mother Mary may have been a frog as well. That would explain the immaculate conception. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was just, it's such a strange... He speaks strangely. <laughs> yes, he's a, he, but he's a word master at the same time. He really is. He he really, really is. 
So uh, basically they're talking about, you know, he's talking to bookies. He's placing yeah. bets. Yes. On, on a future that is not sure. And it, that he's stating well, that it's, it's an not illusion. Sure because it might all, yeah. It's, it's an illusion. <laughs> it might not be real. <laughs> right. You might win or you might not. It, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. It, it, um, I guess how it spoke to me is because being in art history, I studied a lot of Asian art history and I came across uh, 12th century scroll mm -hmm. and it's called the animal frolic and it's one of the first kind of like cartoon caricature mm -hmm. pieces that they have found in Japanese art. Yeah. It's just pen and ink on paper. That's it. It's, okay. it's very uh, monochromatic. It has no words. So it's completely pictorial and it's read from right to left. Mm -hmm. So when you, it is a scroll. So it's, I, I forget how many feet. I think it's about 12 feet long. And it's called the Choju Giga uh, scroll. Uh-huh. So it is 12 to 13th century. And at the end of the story, the scroll is uh -huh. a frog sitting on a lily pad. Like a Buddhist Rinpoche or Lama with a monkey in monk's robes. I see that. And I thought that had, had he seen this? Uh, maybe. I mean, who knows? Is it possible because of the Japanese influence on the United States? This book was published when I first saw this scroll. It's in a book. Mm -hmm. And it was published in 1954. Well, and that that image there, I think that it's probably been used other places too. Absolutely. You? Because, I mean, I look at that frog and I'm like, I could buy some of those at TJ Maxx. Right. <laughs> but this is 12th century. So I right. want right. to make people understand that these ideas keep repeating. Like we're in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And this idea was back in the 12th century, but had the same meaning. And, and also a very similar um, style. I mean, as I said, like, I can, you know, I've seen that, not that exact image, but things similar to that in that same style forever at stores and Frogs are very popular. I love correct. I, they're everywhere. They are literally everywhere. But it's not just in the twenty first century that they're everywhere. They literally are spattered and littered throughout history in art, specifically art, because in written language. And I'm when I talk about art, I'm talking about all the humanities, written yeah. as well as visual. So I want to be clear on that because I think the written word is very much as much as, as an art as visual art. Yes. So, um, and the frog motif has been throughout history because it represents transformation. I think so. I think it speaks to, 
and I'll read you a quote out of Joseph Campbell's The Power of Myth in a little bit, because he really defines what the difference is between a fairy tale and a mythology or folklore. In the sense that a fairy tale, and I'll read you the quote from his book later on, but I'll abbreviate it right now, is to amuse or entertain. Okay, fairy tale. Whereas in mythology, a folk tale, it has a deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. That it has a different weight to it of meaning. And that the words that are used have a specific reference Mm -hmm. that the culture knows about. Whether it be the religious culture, shamanistic. Yeah. That that it's a lineage, so to speak, of knowledge. Yeah, I guess we don't often think about. Well, really, yeah, we do. I mean, fairy tales are fairy tales. And mythology is important. It has... It has meaning. Correct. But some of the articles I came across, they're trying to place their modernity on top of these fairy tales without reading the originals. Are you talking about Walt Disney? (laughs) Well, Walt Disney (laughs) is very guilty of this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, scholars are guilty. Yeah. It's terrible. They take this, this art. Or, or these images, or the written mm-hmm. language, story, yes, they completely change the the symbols and significant. Okay. Or they even leave out very important signifiers. So you know what I'm finding funny about this conversation? <laughs> what is you know we came um, to this uh, to talk about transformation, um, but it, really we're just talking about repeating. And I mean, and I guess that's you know uh, no, we're talking about transformation because. Well, when we but it just goes in a circle. It just, it just goes in a circle. Well, you know, we transform and then uh, well, humans get to do it again. And and that sort of, um, I think about that with transformation. Are you really transforming individually? I mean, I know you're talking in the broader sense, but, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in the smaller sense. Am I really growing as a person or am I just transforming and then going back around the wheel again? I don't think that it makes a difference because as you see in the image of the tadpole and the frog, the egg, the tadpole, the frog. It makes a difference to me, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) I want to you have such a very short life. I want to right, I want to transform and I want to grow and I don't want to digress. I don't want I don't want to, you know, but I do that. I I I Transformation is not always permanent. Um, it is. No, ever. you can. It never is. Dang, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a short it's answer. I'm all emotional. Yeah. Uh, everything changes. Right. Everything. So changes. there's there's no difference if you look at it as good or bad. It it will not stay permanent. So no. But change, so are, do you think change and transformation are the same things? Yes. The exact same things? Yes. I'm just asking. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, in my little mind, my, my ignorance, uh, so to speak, I, at this moment, yes, I believe that change and transformation are the same thing. 
it, it can be small or it can be large. Oh. So I we're, think, I think they're different things. You think they're two different things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, all because, right. I mean, I can change from Coke to Pepsi, but no, can I'm I not talking about from the piece of shit that I am. And <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like you're talking negative about yourself there, Marcy. I know. I know. I, I, yeah. So anyway, I told yeah. you I was a train wreck today. Well, <laughs> at, least, at least I'm not in my pajamas. <laughs> I, I'm not in my pajamas today. I got dressed up for you. I know you look adorable. Oh, thank you. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that because we're going to talk about this idea of, you know, negativity or faults and the frog prince, which is the next childhood initiation into the frog for me. Cause I'm, I was trying to mm-hmm. think back in my history of when I ran across these constant um, connections with frogs, mm-hmm. whether they be on a surface level and I had no clue, but I was always drawn to fairy tales, as you uh-huh. will know. I like uh-huh. folklore. I like mythology. And I read constantly as a child. So I was always looking for something new to read. Uh-huh. And I was drawn to the Frog Prince. And I have two books that uh, that are called... One is called... Because I have physical books still, thank God. Grimm's Complete Fairy Tales, right? There we go. And then an older one that looks like it came from the 60s. Yeah. Grimm's Fairy Tales. Both these books have two different versions of the frog prints. They do. So It's like reading Bibles to me. Yeah. So no so, one Bible is the same, right? So the <laughs> versions change, like I'm assuming the language changed. The language, the motifs, and when I mean motifs, I'm talking about okay, a motif in folklore mythology, right? Mm-hmm. A motif in the Frog Prince, because I went back to the Deutsch, the German uh, version, mm-hmm. the, the closest English transliteration of the German which okay. originally was called in 1812 Kinder und Hausmärchen or Marchen, depending mm-hmm. on where you're from. Either way, it means child and house, household things, house okay. tales. Uh-huh. It, the story originally was called um, Eisner Heinrich, which means the uh-huh. iron Henry. And I might be saying iron wrong in German because I'm so out of practice. Either way, it was also called uh, Frosch Koenig, which means Frosch is frog and Koenig is prince or king. Mm -hmm. But they have left out in these fairy tales an important motif of the linden tree, which is, have you ever heard of a linden tree? Uh, No. Not until you send me my uh, zoo, my um, notes. Well, don't glaze out on me. Have you ever heard of a basswood? Of an asswood? Bass. Bubba. No. The fish? No. 
All right. I have heard of a bass fish. I've been thinking well, about them lately. Well, this is a basswood. It, uh-huh. it, it means something in the lineage of human beings. Okay. What does so it mean? So they leave the tree out. They usually include the walk. But wait a minute. What does the tree mean? Okay. So I went through the etymology of the tree. Uh-huh. And the genus is generally called lime or linden in Britain. And it is linden, lime, or basswood, basswood in North America. Okay. Lime so is altered for an altered form of Middle English lind. Okay, I'm glazing over. I'm sorry. I'm glazing over. What does it mean? I know. See, that's okay. Basically, it even goes back to Latin and Sanskrit. Uh-huh. And it means to be lenient, to yield, okay. to bend. To yield. Yeah, okay. Basswood. Basswood. And All right. So they leave that out. They leave out the idea. They usually leave out the tree. They just okay. mention the well. They mention okay. the well. They've got the golden ball. They've got the frog and the prince and princess. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sometimes leave out the three bands of iron that enclose the heart of Henry. Okay. And Henry... Henry's kind of important to the tale. And when I read these, I didn't really understand at a child's level how important Henry was to the Frog Prince tale. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to read the Frog Prince tale. Okay. I'll just I think read it everybody later. probably is pretty familiar with it. Either way, he is the servant who knows that the frog is a prince. So he has the secret. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he, can't, he can't tell anybody. Yeah. And of course, the frog prince was cursed by a witch or Sometimes sorcerer or however yeah. you want to say it. Yeah. So it has, the linden tree has meaning in that it's considered an auspicious tree. They would plant these trees at castles, mm-hmm. uh, town squares. They even have, um, the Scythians even included it as a part of their rituals. Scythians are a culture from the 6th century. So these were men who would dress in women's clothing. Uh, I like them. Some people believe that they were hermaphrodites. Uh, the, the Greek is man, woman. So mm-hmm. they were both women and men at the same time. And they used bundles of the linden tree and they would braid it to tell the future. So the transformation, basically the liberation, it, they hmm. were seers. Interesting. Yes. Hermaphroditic seers. Hermaphrodite seers. I suppose just bred out. Because, I mean, I'm imagining a whole culture of men, women. I mean, just imagine that for a second. You know, an entire group of people that are all men, women. No, no, it's not an entire group. (laughs) Like, I've never heard of such a thing. No, this is a caste. I'm sorry, I didn't explain it correctly. This is a caste like the Brahmins in India. 
okay. where it's a cast. It's oh, okay. a, it's <laughs> it's hereditary. Yes. Um, you had to be born into it, and you don't. You didn't have to be a hermaphrodite, but you okay. did. They weren't all hermaphrodites. During the ritual, you would dress in women's clothing. So it goes back also to the fertility in in the greater sense because they were they were telling the future they were giving birth to a possible future for you and they have shtales with the tree and the frog uh-huh and the ball at in hakari turkey and then of course when i went down that rabbit hole and i know this is getting complicated without yeah. real visuals but you can look all these places up. Mm-hmm. So you can look at the Scythian artwork. You will see shteles or totem poles, whatever. You know, most of the time, the archaeologists are calling them shteles, which is S-T-E-L-E-S. Okay. And they have artwork that includes some type of branch and frogs. And when they open, have you heard of Gobekli Tepe? No, I haven't heard of that. Oh, no. Christy, this is, <laughs> this is a, you need to manage your expectation of my knowledge. <laughs> this is a massive find. It's it's 21st century find. Okay. Um, it in, What's again, it What's Turkey, it called? Gobekli Tepe. So G-O-B-E. Okay. Yeah. Gobekli Tepe. 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 Okay. And it's it's dated between 10,000 and 8,000 BCE. Uh-huh. This is in Turkey also. So you have the 6th century, but this goes even back further of a shtele uh-huh. that includes the frog, the sun, the golden ball, and this is kind of what I laughed at the scorpion. Aha. Uh-huh. Which your story of the, the frog and the scorpion. Yes. Has no literature to back it up. There's no actual. They, uh, they cannot find or... the lineage of where that story came from. Hmm. It's in Russian. It's in German, but they cannot, they believe it's possibly a 21st century parable or fable. But I, when, when I'm doing this research, research, I don't see that that, I think it's an oral history more so than a written mm-hmm. of how. Yeah, I, because I, I've never read, well, um, I don't think I've I think I've seen like a short story of this, like, like I've seen it in print, right? you know, maybe most definitely not like any sort of collection of, you know, fairy tales or mythologies. Like it's, it's just a, it's a parable, right? Right. It's just something that people have stated. And I just recently watched a TV show that I'm not proud of. Yeah. But I watched the flack. Yeah, you were telling me pretty irredeemable people in that show. Terrible, irredeemable people. This goes back to the frog prince, because if you'll recall, that that woman 
usually it's the woman has vanity, pride. Mm-hmm. She's not bending. She's not flexible. Mm-hmm. And um, it it goes back to the point of in this show, The Flack. There's an episode where these irredeemable women. I mean, I didn't write this. I I don't know who wrote. Um, do you know who wrote? No, who's no the idea. producer. You just told me about it, and I was like, I ain't watching that. Yeah, I do, you don't need to watch it. But they, she does introduce this this fable, this of the scorpion and the frog. Yes, they're it's basically a madman, but women. Yeah. So they're um, they're pretty they, cutthroat, and they're cutthroat. They cover up people's crimes. Hmm. Or embarrassments. <laughs> They're PR. It's, oh, a, it's, it's a, PR it's just firm. PR firm. Yeah. Well, that's their job. But, um. Yeah, it's their job. But I thought it was quite humorous. And that's why I really decided to do this podcast on frogs. Because that was about the fourth time I'd heard that story. But in, in a very short amount of time. A very short time. amount of time. And I was yeah. like, fine, I'll just. I, I want to do the research on this. Why is everybody using this? Why are they including it in social media or media? I, I mean, I, the 21st century. I I do think that it's probably a 21st century um, uh, oral history because I don't recall knowing about it as a child. At some point in my adult life, I heard this story and, um, you know, and and then I, I saw that image made by that wonderful Chicago artist, um, Annie somebody, and I cannot remember her last name. So I'm going to like real quickly just look one more time, but I'm not going to come up with it. I can tell you that. Some people have surmised that the scorpion frog was a Russian fable that was popularized by Orson Welles in a 1955 movie called The Confidential Report. Oh, um, well, I, yeah, I think that that would track. I mean, because we don't, we don't have any other stories of it popping up before. But then. it does speak some truth. Like it does hold its weight, whether it be 21st or not. Yeah. I People mean, have I, been I, talking about relationships between the frog and the scorpion. To to the point of 8000 BCE. Oh really? Yes, those that's the Gobek Gobekli Tepe. It it has the uh zodiac. It's uh, they believe they're just guessing also Marcy. Okay. All I can say is that they do state and you can see that there is a frog with a sun, with what looks to be a, like a vulture, yes, and then a scorpion below it, yeah. And they're surmising that this is part of the zodiac. That the frog is Virgo, because I gave you. Do you see the map I gave you? Yeah. <laughs> so you have Virgo, and then that it's the constellation. Hmm. So there must have there well, must be up. some deeper meaning to 
just the motif of the frog and the scorpion in the story to yeah. hit home so hard. To use this constantly as an example of transformation that life is, even if you're, if you're idealistic or if you're kind, there's still a possibility that, that <laughs> you will not reap positive yeah. rewards. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think that's an important lesson for us to all have is, is that, you know, sometimes you think you do the right thing and you still get stung. I did find this artist. It is Anna Hasseltine. And yeah, I, I love this. She, she does, um, print work and. It's a beautiful print. It, it is a beautiful print. I really wish I had have bought it um, when I saw it, and I didn't. Did so, you just save that information? Yes, I'm. I'm. I've. I've had actually a picture of it saved in my phone forever. No, I, I mean the artist, so that we can link her. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, I will. So I continued to hunt around and found another totem and. In Gobekli Tepe, where it shows a, a totem pole of a frog with a human being, what looks to be a human being, coming out from below it. And to me, that very much stated. Oh, sorry I'm, about that. What is going on with you? Oh my gosh, did you s just send me something? Yeah. Oh, I just. <laughs> I need to put that. that on mute. No, that's my bad. How unprofessional. <laughs> yeah, mine's on silent. So I'm looking, did you send that? I'm looking for the slide you're talking about because I don't remember seeing it. Yeah, it's it has a yellow background. Okay. And it has a full frog looking up, standing on its feet. Then another frog looking down. And then what looks to be a humanoid figure coming out as if being birthed. That's all right. Either way, I found it very interesting that even frogs, like out of all the animals that you can pick, and there are a lot of animals at Gobekli Tepe. Do not mm -hmm. misunderstand me. They have what almost looks like a zoo on rocks. Really? Yes. Well, it's a fascinating site. It's been buried. I will, I will have to Google that. I've been watching a really terrible archaeology documentary, and I'd like to wash the taste of that out of my mouth. Well, you can YouTube it. There okay. are plenty of YouTube videos, I believe, that are now on Gobekli Tepe. They are slowly but surely. It, it's a huge site. They're considering it to be... Um, another Stonehenge, but in Turkey, mm -hmm. they have found human remains at the site, but not really any food or camping sites. So they believe it to be a Neolithic religion, religious site. Correct. Okay. Cool. So I'm, I'm very excited. Cool. If nothing else to take away from this, to watch that expand and to mm -hmm. see what scholars have to say about it, to see if they find any written language and not just imagery, that would be better. But 
because you can only guess at the these images. Right. I mean, a picture is worth a thousand words, is what they say. Well, it is to me because when I'm looking up the Klingit legends, that's the, uh, the Pacific North Pacific and Alaskan tribes, uh huh, or clans. They have totem poles with the frog, and then a raven coming out from oh. the frog's legs. So. Oh. They even have the same hierarchy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the same order? The same yeah. order. Uh, the frog is larger. The raven is smaller. So it, of course, this is very difficult to convey on a podcast, but you can look up Klingit, uh, which is spelled T as in Tom, L I N as in Nancy, G I T. So, it is not spelled like it sounds. Which, no, not like Klingon at all. No, Kling it. Stop. <laughs> no respect. Kling it. I got it. Kling it. <laughs> <laughs> that's very Southern Indiana. Kling uh, it. Well. Either way, they have a legend with the women who married a frog. Was that a good choice? What? Merit, frog marriage. I, I, it seems to be, Marcy, okay. because right. we have I'm an Alaskan North American tribe. We have Germans talking about marrying frogs <laughs> that turn into princes, which both the woman who married a frog and the frog prince are almost exactly. They have the same motifs. Uh, the only motif that's missing again is the tree and this time the golden ball well i would think it would take a very specific kind of woman to marry a frog obviously it was a very difficult journey for this young woman he wasn't a frog at all though he was a prince he transformed from a frog (laughs) maybe maybe we're talking about every marriage (laughs) no no (laughs) you gotta like this though the legend in in the North American is that he was a a handsome man first and then he transformed into a frog. Mm-hmm. So it's a reverse of essentially almost and I don't want to oversimplify. I've been accused of this throughout our history that I, I overgeneralize. I don't oversimplify at all. I'm sorry. I don't think you oversimplify, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> So I see the imagery and I see the similarities and I make conclusions, analytical conclusions that I don't really have the resources to prove. Yeah. And that's a problem. And that's okay. I don't have to be right. I enjoy looking at the imagery just out of curiosity of, of finding mm-hmm. this imagery and understanding that almost every picture that I'm looking at, I still enjoy the frog. <laughs> I, I think of, we all, I feel that way too. Yeah. So it, it, it speaks to the fact that they're. I don't like frogs dressed in Victorian clothing. Though. Well, you know, I once bought uh, Mexico frogs. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they came from, but they were at a roadside like flea market. Sure. And they were real frogs that had been stuffed. Uh-huh. And they were dressed up in. I don't know what 
they looked Hispanic, Mexican, Hispanic. I'm sorry. Were they playing instruments? Were they playing instruments? I cannot remember. I, you know, after a while, they got dusty and kind of gross. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Funny similarity that we have. My friend Marcy's husband was a taxidermist for a time. And once, I don't know, it's been like 20 years ago, I received a gift of three taxidermied frogs playing musical instruments. And when, when she gave them to me, they were, they're probably 20 years old then. Um, and then about 10 years after I had them, they just disappeared. Um, my ex-husband would comment frequently about how nappy they looked and how yeah, they, were- they got pretty disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it, disgusting. It, I bought them just because of the macabre aspect. Right. I mean, like I was way into them. I was a little bit, A, because of the curiosity of who thought of stuffing frogs, dressing them up, and then selling them. Right. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Out of all the creatures we could have picked. it wasn't attractive. Like, I I didn't look at that piece of art and think, oh, that's that's cute or that's funny or that's no quirky. It was kind of like you said, macabre. It was a little creepy. It was creepy. Someone would think to do that. But I just thought I got I really want to display that sort of creepiness in my house. (laughs) I I like the idea of the macabre of it. That this was once a frog. I didn't personally do it. So I didn't feel any responsibility that I actually went out and killed a frog, stuffed it and then dressed it up that that would have creeped me out even more yeah but i mean i for me I, to actually have to do that process yeah i i was happy as a clan to own them i i would still own them um if they hadn't have been taken thrown in the trash behind my back i don't know who threw yours in the trash but i threw mine in the trash i'm gonna say my ex-husband <laughs> <laughs> well you know after a while they look pretty disgusting they, they because did. they are they're not dipped in in some type of shellac. Mm-mm. No, so they, they're they're literally they, decaying in front of my. They were decaying yeah. in front of my yeah. eyes. Yeah, there's no way to clean them. No, their skin peels away, and yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Nobody else maybe knows what we're talking about, but I get you because oh, I, well, thank you because saying, I've not known very many people to own yeah. uh, stuffed frogs dressed yeah. up. I had three of them and I, if I had a chance, I'd get three more. I might Google it after we're done here. We probably should. I did not go that far. We, we should mention before we get back into our frog mythology, uh, that this podcast is going to be next week's podcast. We did take a week off. We did. We did. We had to. Yeah. Um, Too much transformation was happening, both physically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mentally, physically, as in body physics, as well as construction and taking care of business, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sometimes work, my work gets in the way of getting to do the things that I like to do. And so I, I was glad that you, I hated to take a week off, but. I, I think it's fine. I, you, 
you and I both have, I think the same conclusion about this podcast is that it's for pleasure. It's for, uh, educating ourselves of, yeah, of learning new things. I'm learning new things. I, as am I. And that's, that really is what it's all about. And that's the pleasure for me is, I call it continuing education because I am old. Um, I'm halfway through my life and I don't go to school anymore. So I get bored. Keep that brain young. Yeah, I think so too. And I'd like to keep it young on things that aren't, based off of the media or politics. So we won't talk about that, but yes, but but yeah, this will post, um, next Tuesday or Wednesday, more likely Tuesday, et cetera, et cetera. So in my search of, then I went, I went off the frog, right? Yeah. Because I understood that there's been history and mythology and I wanted to then study the meaning behind frogs, the the fertility. Yeah, why why every culture uses a frog motif. Correct. For right. mysticism, right. for shamanism, for spirituality. It it crosses almost every ism that I could find. I don't know about politics, but I don't really care. Because well, I didn't live. Scorpion, that's clearly political. <laughs> Obviously. But one of my favorite authors is Carlos Castaneda, mm-hmm. who also delved into uh, psychedelics yes. during his career. And he has, he speaks as if well, he's writing. He's for writing what? For, is it, is it Don Juan or is it Casanova? Is it, what is it? I'm sorry. Say what, it again. What, what is he famous for writing? Like what, he has a slew of books. Wall, I know, but there's like one that everybody's going to know. Is it Don? I like Tales of Power. Oh, you're okay. But he has at least eight or nine books. You can look it up on Wikipedia. Okay. I can look him up well, right I'm, now. I'm just, I was thinking, you said his name because I'm not familiar with him, but the first thing that popped on in my mind was the, you know, the, the, the story of Don Juan, but I'm not sure that he wrote that or was it Casanova? Don Juan is one of the main characters. Okay. In, okay. In his books. Okay. He is a. He's a I man just of to knowledge. Help our make that connection, and I didn't. I couldn't remember. Like, did he? Yeah. So okay. He was starting the- with the teachings of Don Juan is okay. his first book, 1968. Sorry, okay. I'm so familiar with this work that it all just kind of sometimes flows. Yeah. So his first book was Teaching of Don Juan, a Yak Yakai or Yakwai way of knowledge, and Don Juan is a shaman. Or he's considered in the book a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it is. It, you really need to read the book. So how did Don Juan come to mean sexy fella? Uh, that's okay. completely different, Don Juan. Okay. <laughs> Please don't confuse the two. There's a lot of Don Juans. <laughs> I mean, 
All right. There's just a lot of Don Juans. It's a very common name. It's a very common name. I mean, I believe Juan means John, correct? There are a lot of Johns out there. There are a lot of Johns. So uh, I've liked him because he also talked like he is a writer very much like Tom Robbins. It's hard to follow him sometimes. He writes as it's it's fiction, but he writes it as nonfiction. Like the experiences happen to him. Mm-hmm. So it's autobiographical, but not. Okay. And I know I didn't say that word correctly, but who cares? So I took an excerpt out of his Tales of Power on the bubble of perception is the chapter. Mm-hmm. And he talks about change, about how how we view change. So it's easier to read it than it okay. is to explain it and then talk about it. So would you like to read it or would you no, like you me to? Do I even read well? You read just good. <laughs> I'm a real good reader. <laughs> a real good reader. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it starts out in quotations. That dog's barking is the nocturnal voice of a man. Don Juan said, it comes from a house in the valley that's towards the south. A man is shouting through through his dog since they are companion slaves for life. His sadness, his boredom. He's begging his death to come and release him from the dull and dreary chains of his life. Don Juan's words had caught a most disturbing line in me. I felt he was speaking directly to me. That barking and the loneliness it creates speaks of the feelings of men, he went on. Men for whom an entire life was like one Sunday afternoon. An afternoon which was not altogether miserable, Mm -hmm. but rather hot and dull and uncomfortable. They sweated and fussed a great deal. They didn't know where to go or what to do. That afternoon left them only with the memory of petty annoyances and tedium. And then suddenly it was over. It was already night. Mm-hmm. And so it continues on. He recounted a story I'd once told him about a 72-year-old man who complained that his life had been so short that it seemed to him that it was only the day before that he was a boy. The man had said to me, I remember the pajamas I used to wear when I was 10 years old. It seemed that only one day had passed. Where did the time go? And Don Juan's response to this is, the antidote that kills that poison is here, Don Juan said, caressing the ground. The sorcerer's explanation cannot cannot at all liberate the spirit. Look at you two. You have gotten to the sorcerer's explanation, but it doesn't make any difference that you know it. You're more alone than ever. Because without an unwavering love for that being that gives you shelter, aloneness is loneliness. The Only the love for this splendorous being can give freedom to a warrior spirit. And freedom is joy, efficiency, and abandon in the face of any odds. That is the last lesson. It is always left for the very last moment, for the moment of ultimate solitude, when a man faces his death. And his aloneness, 
Only then does it make sense. And I like that because it speaks to that idea of transformation, of liberation, of the sense of the totem that I've always viewed or my affiliation towards the frog. That you can, you can have this knowledge, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't understand it and that you cannot live with your aloneness. Now that's a downer there. <laughs> I know. No, actually it's not. Actually it's not. I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it's a powerful thing to be alone and not be lonely. It, it really is. I mean, I've, I've been both. I, and, um, that, that is part of, uh, the transformation of my new life is, you know, I had a family growing up. I made a family when I became a grown up. Um, my family is, uh, scattered now, you know, I'm alone and, um, but I'm not lonely. I, I have a nice life here and, um, yeah, and that's part of the transformation. Sometimes when I get lonely, I have to remind myself, this is this is a good life and, and I'm not bad company. Either way, I thought it spoke to what we're experiencing with the isolation that everybody is feeling. Mm-hmm. And that my little rabbit hole down the uh, frog landed. Uh, yeah. In mythology and in psychedelics of expanding your mind, of searching for the question, I believe, that every culture experiences of death, rebirth, mm -hmm. death, rebirth, yeah. transformation of your heart. Why, here? Why do I have to leave? Right. But not only that, but transformation, uh, because when you look at the frog prince and you look at all these mythology, there, there are changes. There are initiations, so uh -huh. to speak, that you go from the child's mind to an adult mind, that fairy tales are for children and the mythologies are really for a deeper adult mind to uh -huh. see the significance, the lineage of these metaphors, so to speak, you know, because we are looking at metaphors. Yes. And, 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 you know, their teachings to help us live better lives more, you know, I, I don't know, some of them are morals and, um, well, that's why, I, yeah. again, yeah. it will, we'll end it with the scorpion and the frog because Things will always screw you over. Not always, but that it, the moral to me is, is that you still, the frog still, despite his knowledge. Yes. That that's in the nature of the scorpion, he is still going to help. Right. Help. Right. I mean, sometimes you, you just, I feel like, um, that speaks to me because that's how I want to live my life is, uh, you know, I help when I feel compelled to, when I know that it's the, the thing that I should be doing, whether it hurts me or not, if it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. So, yeah, it, indeed. 
we can't so, be controlling what the scorpion does. And the well, scorpion- no, you you can't even control it. You can right. absolutely know that that might be the result. There's right, a 50-50 might, 50 chance. might not be. So. <laughs> might be. So, still a good reason to do it. So, if anybody wants to do more research on the frog, I think they're pretty much froggied out. <laughs> Go it look at the site. Frog. I um honestly, yeah, it was. Um, we have talked a lot about the frog. Things took kind of a different direction today than what I was uh, mentally uh, thinking about, and um, that I now. I'm yeah. sorry I took you down my rabbit hole because it okay. was going to include dragons also. Right. Another non-real creature. Well, and transformation. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of thought we were going to talk about butterflies too. And, and That's another one uh, that I collect. Yeah. So yeah. I collect mainly three things, and that would be frogs, butterflies, and dragons. Not to the excess of uh, the crazy lady type of collection. No. No, <laughs> I don't think stuff. so. You have other stuff too. I have other stuff. <laughs> you got other stuff. <laughs> you got I have other stuff in there. Yeah. So maybe one day we'll go down the uh, dragon mythology, the dragon folklore. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, hopefully, um, yeah, I I would like to uh, get back to some more transformation talk because. Um, you know, you got me thinking, you you went down this frog sort of uh, path, but when we were initially talking about it, I was thinking about all of life's transformations and rites of passages. And uh, you and I talked briefly on the phone about, you know, sort of the markers for these things like graduation and, you know, your 21st birthday party and that kind of thing. And those were the sort of things that I was had been thinking about. So I want to come back and talk about transformation again. Um, and, you know, definitely incorporate some of the um, butterfly and dragons symbolism in that, because I think that dragons definitely apply to the transformation of men. Of men? Of men specifically. Yeah. Specifically the, and it's, I'm just going to leave it right there. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Uh, now you're gonna make me go look that up. Do you have any proof of this? I just have a very strong feeling. Well, unfortunately, dragons aren't real. You you have to find all this in um, mythology, mythology or literature. Yeah, yeah. So you do not have examples of seeing a dragon uh, egg or transforming. So it is not of this earth. It is more of a mental capacity, which Mm -hmm. it goes, speaks to the initiations, the rituals that we can talk about of the 21st century, because rituals obviously have changed drastically throughout history, depending on the culture, the time, the place. So, yes. Yeah. Well, I'd like to come back to it. So we will. But we that, have plenty of time, so to speak, and yeah. we're that old lady that says shit. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it all go? Where did it all go? All right. Well, this has been It's So Weird podcast. 
the frog slash transformation episode. Um, I think we're on episode 14. I believe it will be 19. Shit. You always shortchange us. <laughs> oh, Nine. And that is not very many. So no, that's thank not, you. That's not very many, but um, it's definitely fun doing it. And uh, <laughs> what? It's definitely. I'm, I'm just thinking about um, the start of this, the transformation that we're going through with this. And we're at the end of the podcast. We have to save that till later. So listeners, you'll have to come back and join us for that. A transformation that I'd like to see us make is in the next couple of weeks. I'd like to say to you, this podcast was brought to you by. Oh, I yes. We're <laughs> talking about money. Advertising. But this week, um, I'm just going to say this. I really appreciate it. And listeners, you can listen to us on Spotify on Google Play, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on YouTube, because we are cool, even though we are called It's So Weird Podcast. Thanks and have a great week. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend.